This is Mission Control Houston. Ignition sequence start. The reason I'm prepared for this position is because I've been preparing for this all my life. Our goal is to compete and, and really put a fun team on the court that really gets after it. T-minus 15 seconds. Guidance is internal. We're very talented. I mean, we can go out there and compete at a high level and give a lot of effort. We can be a good team. Six, five, four, three, two, one. What is up and welcome to another episode of Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every single day. As always, I'm your host, Jackson Gatlin, native Houstonian and the founder slash managing editor of ClutchCityControlRoom.com, your home for all things Houston hoops. You can follow me on Twitter at JT Gatlin, the show, of course, at Locked on Rockets, as well as the blog at ClutchCityCR. Now, joining us today, uh, somebody I've wanted to get on the show for a very long long time, a staple of the Houston Rockets community, David Hardesty, founder of ClutchFans.net. Dave, how are you doing? <laughs> Good, Jackson. Thanks for having me on. Uh, super excited to talk some Rockets hoops with you today. Um, but I want to I want to kind of start on a personal note, if that's okay with you. So first things first, do you prefer David or Dave? I need to know. Uh, you know, either one's good. Dave is fine. It's pretty casual. That's how, I mean, I, either one works for me, to be honest. Can, can I, what, what if I call you Clutch? How's that? <laughs> that would see that, that that would be just fine. It you know what? Cool. Now, and, and an, another segue from that: Have you ever had like a bout with Clutch the Bear about your name? Like, how does <laughs> how does that work out? Have you guys ever had to like throw hands because you know you're both Clutch? How does that work? You know, there a long time ago in the '90s, I did meet um, Robert, who was the original Clutch the Bear, and uh, he had some fun with that. You know, because that was way back when before the internet had kind of exploded but uh yeah it, it, it he's you know we've been friends since then but uh it was it was kind of funny when i first met him i love it all right well we'll stick with dave so so dave i want to know just what because and i don't know if you've ever actually ex, you know expressed this in a permanent medium or not but i want to know what inspired you to create clutch fans and you know was it like a light bulb moment or was it more of a slow burn idea that you hatched over time and also i will state that i know that i'm pretty young or on the younger end of you know rockets fandom and media and whatnot but i remember a time when it wasn't clutch fans i remember when it was clutch city so yeah you know it's it's gone through so many stages of evolution but it's it's the how it kind of started was um, I was uh, actually an engineering intern in Boston, and a friend of mine was a, a cheerleader actually at Northeastern. I mean, he was a male cheerleader there, and he was trying to learn how to do websites so he could do the cheerleading uh, website for um, their college. And so we learned together. Even though we were doing all this engineering and AutoCAD stuff, we were just playing with it together. And my passion was the Rockets. So um, my girlfriend, now wife at the time, had a Northeastern account. And so I started putting just the, this like Rockets tribute stuff up on the site. And I just called it Clutch City 97 because the year was 1996. Um, and that's kind of how it got started. I mean, the first time people started contacting me and saying, hey, I saw your site. This is so cool. Uh, it was just a thrill for me. And so I was, I've been hooked ever since. And um, it, it's been a great way to interact with thousands of other Rocket fans that I've gotten to know over the years. You talk about when people started reaching out to you and saying, "Hey, this is this is your site, right?" When was that? When was that? Oh crap! Moment for you where you're like, "Oh, this thing's really taken off." Like, when did that happen? 
You know, I think um, I was at a game and there was uh, a Rockets employee that I had, I had met actually through the site. Um, and when I, um, you know, met him in person, he was actually asking, you know, who's this L. Hutz character who was kind of like a, a troll slash comedian character. And so to me, it was like it was kind of surreal moment because they were they were reading. They were, you know reading what was going on on our site and our forums. And uh, to me, that was like, at, at that time, it was just seemed crazy. I was like, just stunned by that. So that I think it was the first moment where I thought, wow, this is really reaching people. Well, somebody who grew up with uh, Clutch fans as a staple in my household, I have to, you know, pay you a debt of gratitude to say thank you because that was a huge part of my upbringing as a Rockets fan was, you know, spending days, you know, and I pretty much just lurked because, I mean, I've, I've been, a you know, on Clutch fans since I was a kid. But, you know, browsing the every, every single season, browsing the random trade threat ideas and all that stuff and just going through <laughs> the forum and all of that, you know, so many fond memories. And I don't know if my Rockets, you know, my love for the team or my fandom would be where it's at without Clutch fans. So I do have to say thank Thank you for that, Dave. Well, that's awesome to hear, man. I'm glad you've uh, enjoyed it, and it's been a fun ride for a lot of us. And I'm sure, I mean, I'm sure there's there's many others that you know, if given the opportunity, would also echo you know similar sentiments. But um, we have so much to talk about here. We're going to talk a little bit about the, the you know not a little bit a lot about this new look Rockets team. You know the fact that they're riding a six game win streak that they've looked really impressive since the James Harden trade. We will also talk a little bit about James Harden. But I want to kind of dial back the clock just momentarily, Dave. And you know, for somebody who I, I've generally I basically have to say I've probably experienced, you know, realistically three eras of Rockets basketball. I can't so much claim the uh, Steve Francis, Katino Mobley, Yao Ming years because I was a little bit too young to really appreciate what was going on during that era. So really for me, it kind of started with the T-Mac Yao era, then leaned into, you know, the the rebuilding years, Kmart, uh, Lowry, Scola, and then the James Harden era. So I've kind of gone through those three eras, but maybe walk us through you know, just some of your thoughts, I guess, in general, they could be good or bad about what happens to a franchise as, you know, there's these ebb and flows in the NBA where there's, you know, franchises have ups and downs, but the Rockets have largely been a very competitive franchise over the last two plus decades. But what exactly goes on during these rebuilds, during these changing of the guards, so to speak, from your standpoint, what are some standouts that you would maybe want to share right now? You know, that's a good question. I, you know, to me, I think it is probably most like what we're seeing right now, most like the end of the, the Yao T-Mac era. And we, and we kind of went into this, I don't want to say wasteland because the Rockets remained very competitive. The irony is just before they acquired uh, uh, James Harden, they were probably headed for a lottery season and they were probably they had two picks at that time the toronto pick which ended up getting traded there they were anticipating having two lottery picks uh, into that draft and then the harden thing sort of changed everything but i think this is a better team than what they had then the rockets were were picking up assets they were kind of in asset accumulation mode they were picking up draft picks and daryl was was uh doing his due diligence but i think it was because he had an ownership mandate where they had to remain competitive. They couldn't necessarily tank. Um, I'm not sure. We're not sure where Rafael Stone and uh, Tillman Fertitta reside on this, on this whole scale. I think this team is interesting to me. Their competition hasn't been great, but they're coming together fast. I mean, I, it wasn't because of lack of talent on this team. I think it was 
It was the fact that these guys were all new. I didn't expect this team. I thought they'd be right on the edge of a playoff uh, spot. So I didn't expect them to play this well, this fast. Um, But I think when I look at rebuilding eras of the Rockets, that's the one that I think I would compare it to the most right now is that 2010 to 2012 stretch where they're still seeking that star. They've got some players on this team that are, you might call them stars, but they're just not that superstar take us to the promised land type. Yeah. Um, And, uh, but I think they're in that mode. They need the one guy to get, to be able to bring in others. And, um, you know, but I think right now with this particular season, they're, they're trying to be as competitive as possible given their draft pick situation with the OKC swap. So we'll see, but I think that's where they are. They're, they're, they're in the team that's in transition, retooling, rebuilding, but they are, they could go either way. They could go South or North depending on, on the trades they make. And I think that's, you know, and that's the unique situation that, you know, Rafael Stone, tip of the cap to him, gave this team the flexibility to kind of go either direction, kind of knowing that the James Harden situation might not work itself out, you know, if if worst case scenario did happen where they would have to, you know, end that marriage and move on from James Harden, that, you know, he was not quite in full-blown rebuild mode with the moves that he had made before ultimately dealing Harden, but kind of, you know, straddling the fence sort of right the the Christian Wood move is a move that benefits you know both the here and now as well as the future you know getting getting a draft pick in addition to John Wall and getting off the Russell Westbrook contract is a is a move that benefits the here and now is a risky move because we didn't know how John Wall was going to look but John Wall has looked every ounce you know uh, what he was before the injury and you know before his two-year layoff so you know, you've just got to give a lot of credit to Rafael Stone and what he's been able to do in his short time as the Rockets general manager. But I want to dive into some of the specifics with this team and what we've seen over this last uh, 10-game stretch, the six-game winning streak. And we're going to get there in just a moment after a quick message from our friends over at CBDMD. The holidays are finally behind us, which means it's time to catch up on some much-needed sleep. And even though getting a good night's sleep is much easier said than done, our good friends at CBDMD have exactly what you need to sleep harder than NBA scouts slept on Mason Jones in this past year's draft. CBDPM blends 500 milligrams of high-quality CBD with melatonin, valerian root, chamomile, and other sleep-promoting ingredients to create a powerful and effective sleep aid. And if you want to relax a little before bed, their new CBD bath salts fuse superior CBD with Epsom, Dead Sea, and Himalayan salts to turn any bath into a luxury experience. To make it even easier to get the year started off right, they're offering all of our listeners 25% off your very next order when you use promo code MBA at checkout. So once again, that's cbdmd.com, promo code MBA for 25% off your purchase of superior CBD products from CBDMD. And continuing on here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball, chatting with Dave Hardesty of Clutch Fans, the Clutch himself. Uh, maybe we'll have to see you know him fight Clutch the Bear to you know fully <laughs> claim that nickname. Um, anyways, so Dave, like looking at this past 10-game stretch, if I had told you this past offseason, like before everything, you know, culminated and all this happened, if I had told you that the Rockets were going to be the number one rated defense in the NBA for a prolonged stretch of the NBA season, what would you have said to me? Yeah, um, not happening. <laughs> exactly what I said. And, and what's amazing is this happened after a major trade and they all of these guys are new to each other. And and, and so to me, I mean, top defenses usually don't 
happen in an instant. Um, and granted, they have had a, a slightly weaker schedule. They've played Portland, Dallas. They've played some better teams, but they've, uh, you know, the competition hasn't been up there, but their defense is really coming together and they have a lot of good individual defenders. Um, I mean, if they were to face a team like Utah or say even Dallas or something like that in the playoffs, if they were able to get there, they could throw a lot of defenders at a superstar a wing or guard. So, you know, it, it shouldn't, I guess, be too surprising, but to be the number one defense for a 10-game stretch, that that's very impressive. And, it's, and it started immediately after they traded hard. So, um, yeah. Which imp- the, the, the optics on that are, you know, somewhat hilarious. Um, however, you know, and uh, I, I loved it because I got, I got subtweeted a little bit on the broadcast the other night because I had some fun with it, you know, throwing out a little bit of James Harden shade here and there on Twitter. And um, just, you know, it's sports. We can have a little fun with it. He's not on the Rockets anymore. We can still be grateful for the amazing eight years that he gave us. But he plays for another team now, which means, hey, it's, you know, open season. It's fair game occasionally. So I took a small shot at him and I got subtweeted by Craig on the broadcast. So that was fun. Um, (laughs) Anyways, um, but as far as this stretch goes, Yes, they've played, you know, some some, you know, le- you know, sub 500 competition, but you know, just you can really see eye test and backed by the numbers that they really are coming together defensively that Silas and that really incredible coaching staff that he has at his disposal have really instilled the right schemes. You know, they're teaching this group of guys the right things and they're buying in defensively. And you highlighted the fact that they have a bunch of really great individual defenders. So in my head, it was only a matter of time before these really great individual defenders were able to put it together in, you know, kind of a team aspect, but obviously the defense has been a huge part of what they've been able to put together so far. But if you had to pick one thing that has surprised you the most in this in this stretch post James Harden, it, like I guess say because it would be kind of easy to say just the defense, but maybe if you could dial it in a little bit further, maybe get a little bit more specific. What has really stood out to you during this ten game stretch? I'd say Christian Wood. Now he's only played seven games out of that stretch, but. Uh, Christian Wood is opening my eyes all the time. And this first game Monday night against OKC was, <laughs> I mean, it was eye-opening because, I mean, he was, he's aggressive. He believes in himself. And, I mean, to take a guy like Al Horford, you know, he may be getting up there in years, but he's a very good post defender um, and, and a smart defender. And he just took him to the basket and just threw it down over him. He's very aggressive. Uh, I He's more versatile offensively than I expected. Uh, I mean, you know, in this stretch, he's hitting almost 60% from the field at scoring 24 points and I think 12 plus rebounds during that stretch. Uh, I mean, it's, you just look back at how the Rockets got him and you wonder how, I mean, it doesn't make any sense that other teams weren't throwing, you know, there, there weren't a whole bunch of teams with cap room, but someone should have given him more than that. And, you know, the original thing was they probably thought they were getting him for the MLE. Uh, you know, it ended up working out on a, on a trade, signing trade. But uh, I mean, they got him at a bargain. Um, he, he was definitely the best free agent value, uh, you know, in this class. So, you know, it, there's, there's still some, some flaws. I think defensively he, he could get better, but he is improving offensively. I don't think it's even crazy to compare him to a guy like Anthony Davis. He's, he's very similar uh, on the offensive end of the floor. So, to me, it's uh, that was been the, the best pickup and the biggest surprise during the stretch. You know, when when we're looking at this, like if we look at the time when James Harden became a Houston Rocket, he was 
23 years old, fresh off a finals appearance with OKC, um, you know, had been in that sixth man reserve role. But, you know, the, the situations are not completely dissimilar to where Christian Wood, you know, is is now thrust into the limelight all of a sudden being given, you know, I don't want to say he's been given the keys to the franchise, but he's very clearly like the Rockets' number one option. He is the engine for this offense. He's the guy that makes everything hum when he's out there on the court because he provides that dynamic, uh, you know, sense to the offense because without him, they don't have a true rim-running threat. They don't have anybody on this team who can reasonably do what he does. And while Christian Wood is a couple years older than James Harden was when he became a Houston Rocket originally, James Harden being 23 years old, Christian Wood being 25 years old, is it crazy to think that the Rockets may already have their superstar player in-house and he just needs a little bit of time to get to that point, much akin to James Harden before him? It's not crazy. Uh, I mean, I I think it's possible Christian Wood could be, uh, you know, the number one guy on a team that, that leads you to a title. I don't think it's crazy. Um, I think he's going to get better. He's got good range. Uh, you know, offensively, he does a lot of things. I, I think he's got to get stronger. Um, but no, I, I think that you, you raise a good point. It's not crazy to think that. Um, but I think, you know, in this day and age, you, you probably want some type of superstar guard or, or wing that can create offense. Um, but the way the ball, Rockets are moving the ball, I mean, it's it's opening a lot of eyes. You know, you you've seen it as well. Fans are are drawn to this style of play. It's it's you know not to knock Harden, but I mean, we watched a lot of 15, 20 second dribbling moments, and you know, and then a, a step back three. And this is is much more team ball and, and oriented. And Christian Woods fitting in really well. So it's an interesting point. I think we need more data and more time to see that. But um, you know, Christian Wood is certainly uh, blossoming. So we're not ruling out that possibility, which I, I love because I'm kind of at this point where it, it it's just interesting, you know, seeing you know the the skill set that he has offensively, you know, already. Uh, one of my biggest concerns with him coming into the season was, uh, is he going to be ready for this usage rate to be you know such a focal part of the offense? And this was pre James Harden trade. Just thinking, okay, well he's going to get a lot of reps running pick and roll with James Harden every single game, and now post James Harden, he is you know, arguably, again, like the focal point of the offense. And so I think that's an area where he's going to have to really build up that endurance, that stamina to be used to running, you know, getting up 20, 25 shots a game on certain nights, depending on, you know, how well everybody else is shooting the ball. But we are seeing like you said, a really team-oriented style of basketball just in this past game, uh, the first of this little mini-series against the, the Thunder. We saw seven different players scoring double double figures, which is always phenomenal to see, to see you know everybody making shots, everybody you know getting to be a part of the offense rather than it just being you know the world resting on the shoulders of one guy. For as, ama- as many amazing heroics as we saw James Harden produce over the years, you know that can be a little tiring and can get a little old at times and a little stale. Um, so this is a refreshing new look Rockets. It's it's fun. It's exciting not to uh, beat the drum on the Eric Gordon fun meter stuff. But uh, I want to talk about season awards for a moment for this crew because reasonably, I think there's four guys on this roster that could very well be up for some awards. And I want to talk about maybe the parameters for it. But in my head, I'm thinking Eric Gordon for sixth man of the year as a possibility. Christian Wood for most improved is another one. And that's yep. kind of like the obvious one. Um, Steven Silas, possibly for coach of the year, depending on where this team winds up. 
and yeah. then Rafael Stone for executive of the year. And I got I kind of want to get your uh, thoughts on where, you know, the likelihood of some of those panning out and what parameters would need to be met by this team for some of those awards to uh, come to fruition. You know, Silas is the one I'm not sure about. I, I think because, you know, I think right now, a Quinn Snyder, I mean, he won the, the coach of the month for December, January. If the Jazz keep this up, I think they, they generally look for a coach who has taken it to the next level. And I think, unfortunately, Silas has taken over a team that was, I guess, roughly a 50-win team last year. And granted, there's been so much change. And in, in as far as coaching job, he probably would des- would deserve it. I mean, it's kind of early in the year to, to determine that yet. But he's he's gone through so much in his first year already. But I think that he might have a tough tougher time getting that. Um, but, you know, I think the others, I mean, Gordon is, is always a six man of the year candidate. I think Christian Wood definitely should be most improved. I don't, I don't think his, you know, late season stretch last year with the Pistons should disqualify him for that. I mean, he's, he's been thrust into a bigger role and that's, and his numbers have catapulted up. So I, I definitely see him being a candidate and Rafael Stone. I think it just depends on the type of success that they have. I, you know, Sam Presti really wasn't considered an executive of the year, even though he had, you know, kind of done so much and, and improved his team last year. Um, he was basically in rebuilding stage and, and stone, you know, I, he's done a fantastic job, but I think it's going to depend on how successful the Rockets are for him to get that. You know, there's a part of me that thinks it'd be hilarious to see Sam Presti win it this year just for finessing like half the league out of first round draft picks. That would be they're they're not going to do it because they do look at team success. And I don't see the the Thunder as being a uh, truly successful team this year, but it'd be hilarious regardless. Um, there's a lot of par- I don't mean to interrupt you, but there's a lot of parallels as well between what OKC did last year. They're kind of this surprise team and what the Rockets seem to be doing now. I mean, they brought in. Uh, you know, as they brought in Chris Paul, we're bringing in John Wall, and and there are so many talented pieces here that are are solid guys that a lot of teams would love to pick up, you know, take on on their squad. And I don't, it remains to be seen if Stone goes that direction as OKC did, where they had a, a, a impressive season, but then they you know completely tore it down and went rebuilding mode. We don't know what Stone's going to do yet, but it's very similar to what we saw in OKC last year. Sorry. I'm, I know. Not not at all, Dave. I, I really appreciate you bringing up that point. That's actually a point that I've echoed on here a couple times, that this Rockets team, especially post-James Harden, is very reminiscent of that Thunder team of just last season. You know, John Wall, obviously, in the Chris Paul role, and um, there's some other similarities as well. But, um, in fact, I actually really like that train of thought. We're going to follow that, follow that thread in just a moment. We're going to put our GM caps on in just a second after a quick message from our friends over at betonline.ag. Super Bowl is almost here. NBA season is in full swing. And look, MLB is right around the corner. And there's only one place that has you covered and one place that we here at Locked on Rockets trust. And that is betonline.ag. You can sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use promo code LOCKEDON. That's L-O-C-K-E-D-O. Owen for your 50% welcome bonus with your very first deposit. Look, if you're feeling confident in Tom Brady, you think he's going for another Super Bowl W, throw some money on the Buccaneers, right? Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. And don't forget to use promo code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, to receive a 50% welcome bonus with your very first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And final segment here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball. 
If you like the show, do me a huge favor. Do the show a huge favor. Do yourself a huge favor. Please subscribe to the show if you haven't already. I don't know why you'd be listening if you're not subscribed. Drop a review if you can. I would sincerely appreciate it. Now, Dave, I said we were going to put our GM hats on, and that's exactly what we're going to do here because I wanted to bring this topic up to you. We've got John Wall is a Houston Rocket, which is a crazy sentence to like throw out into the ether that, you know, just a few months ago we would have never thought was a real thing. Um... Very similar to, probably not quite as crazy as like the whole Russell Westbrook as a Houston Rocket, but it's just been a wild few years for the Rockets. Um, So John Wall is a Houston Rocket, and he's more or less become the alpha dog leader of this team. And I wonder, you know, if if we're both playing general manager, right? You can be Rafael, I can be Stone, we can be one, you know, halves of him, whatever. And like... In my head, I'm not sure if it's the right move to essentially, you know, Chris Paul him, right? I don't know if it makes sense for the Rockets to let him rehabilitate his image and then flip him this summer or if he should be part of a more long-term goal to remain competitive over these next two to three years and, you know, hopefully wait out and maybe try and find that next disgruntled star, maybe a Luka Doncic or a Devin Booker type to then, you know, catapult straight from rather than having to really bottom out and go into a full rebuild, remain competitive, remain an attractive team. And then when that star becomes available, you're able to then facilitate a trade and, and, you know, jump straight back into contention. I just haven't quite made up my mind if John Wall is, you know, should be here for the foreseeable future or if he should just be here for, for this season and then see what you can get this, this off season for him. Where's your head at? You know, John Wall, for some reason, I, I've, I've kind of placed him as he's going to be here a while, like beyond this season. I mean, granted he could prove he's rock solid as far as healthy and have just a, a terrific season and somebody could wow the Rockets with an offer. Um, but, you know, given that he's got two years left at, what, 80, 90 million after this season, <clears throat> I think the Rockets would have a hard time moving him. And, you know, unless they got positive assets, I, I think, um, you know, they wouldn't consider that. And and right now he's built up so much goodwill here in, in Houston. I mean, fans, you know, were very disappointed with Harden. As much as they loved Harden, they very disappointed with how that ended and felt like John Wall was kind of slighted and it, and they, that chip on their shoulder that we've always had in Houston, it, we just fit right in with what John Wall's saying and doing. And we're drawn to him. I, I think, you know, we're right now, we like John Wall with the Rockets. He's playing extremely well. Um, so I kind of feel like he's going to be here a while as, as expensive as he is. Um, and I think that they're going to, you know, build around wall wood the best they can. Um, and, you know, like they like Oladipo as well, but I think I personally believe that John Wall is going to be here beyond this season. And, and speaking to John Wall and that kind of chip on the shoulder mentality and how, you know, I really, I, I like the way that you expressed it, that, you know, that we're drawn to him, that we kind of share the same mentality. Um, I really like that, that kind of uh, picturesque way of putting it, but there have been some that have kind of, you know, gotten, I guess, a little tired of the the shtick with the whole, you know, we had people who want to be here, you know, commentary from John Wall. But personally, I love it. I think that if that's the fuel that this team has behind it, if that's the fire that they have underneath them to go out and compete every single night because they feel slighted by James Harden because they you know, have taken it personally, the way that he left this team, the way that he behaved during training camp, all of that. I'm all for it, adding fuel to the fire to see this team be the best version of itself that it can be. And maybe that, in a way, um, 
crazy enough, maybe was James Harden's like parting gift, right? By pissing off this group of guys enough to where then they become greater than the sum of their parts, you know, something like that. Um, I mean, is it is it too much? Should he kind of back off of it? The other night we saw Boogie Cousins take his turn throwing a little bit of shade at James Harden. I, I'm, I'm honestly here for it. He deserves it a yeah. little bit. I mean, honestly, I've never seen a player talk about their teammates. And, and granted, it was indirectly. But just to flat out say we're not good enough, and I've you know I've done everything I can, and and I mean he he gave up on his teammates. I mean it's one thing we all know he wanted to leave, but he definitely gave up on those guys, and he didn't really give them a, a chance. I, I invite anyone who you know who has watched the last few Rocket games to go back and watch, you know some of the first five ten games with Harden. Um, it's a completely different offense, and you can tell there are times he just doesn't want to buy in to what's what's happening uh and he wasn't giving his best effort I, I mean he could have done a lot more i think to, to help them so to me the way he exited um i don't have a problem with john wall saying that and because I, I think he's i think he's stating an absolute fact i mean james harden was very clear he didn't want to be here and john wall is just saying we now have guys who want to be here so I, why is that an insult to harden because harden was very clear himself that he didn't want to be there so you know, to me, I, I, I'm I'm fine with it, and I think uh, you know part of the the love for John Wall is that he he is repping H Town. He's he loves he loves being here. He loves be, wearing a rocket uniform. And you know the reason you know you say anything about Gerald Green and everyone goes crazy because Gerald Green is constantly repping the city. And I think the fact that we got John Wall uh, doing that at a time when Harden basically abandoned us, um, you know, to me, everyone's been drawn to him as a result of that. Not the first great wall that we have had here in Houston. Um, had to get that pun out there. Um, no, but, um, you know, I, I completely agree with, with with where your head's at on that. And I've got a couple more. I, I guess the follow-up to that is, at, one, at what point do we have to really sit down? And what I guess whatever the stakes may be a little bit later this season where, you know, these two teams wind up, at what point do we sit down and, you know, in a way – I don't want to say crucify James Harden, but really take a hard look at him and say, man, if he had bought in, this team could have been, you know, uh, a team that, you know, could have conceivably been a top four team, a top three team, a team that, you know, maybe depending on how things look as the season progresses, a team that could have possibly challenged the Lakers at some point. Like I know that, look, and I know that that sounds maybe a little bit homeristic of me at this point, but we're seeing this team put the pieces together. We're seeing Silas now with a group of bought-in guys who really, you know, want to be here, who are, you know, committed to being the best version of themselves that they can be, and they're making waves, and people are starting to notice. And if you sub out Victor Oladipo for James Harden to think what the ceiling of this team could have been if he had bought in, at what point do we revisit that? And really, does that does that then change the perception even more so where, where then people are going to be even more frustrated and upset with Harden than they already are? You know, I, I really don't think so. Because I think if you go back and watch James Harden when he first started with the Rockets in 2012 and you watch James Harden in 2020, they are completely different players. They're both major impact players. But Harden was, was and I don't want to say he's not a team player. The guy is very unselfish, passes it. But he, he his whole game wasn't isolation. I mean, he was cutting to the basket, receiving passes from Lynn, throwing down dunks. Uh, you know, he moved without the ball a lot more, took mid-range shots. 
you know, I think he became, after that whole unguardable tour, really became entrenched in this style of play, at least here in Houston. I just don't know if him and John Wall really would have worked. I think the reason Chris Paul and Harden worked so well is because Paul could literally play off Harden or when, you know, took when Harden took breaks, uh, he could run a dominant second unit. So um, to me, I, I just don't know. John Wall's strength is running, you know, running the show. I don't know if Harden was at this stage of his career going to do that, going to play off of John Wall. Um, like, like frankly, he needed to do probably off of Russell Westbrook as well. So, I, yes, he is obviously more talented than Victor Oladipo, without a doubt. But Oladipo is, you know, a good perimeter defender. Harden's strength is not on the perimeter; it's more in the post. Um, and he's playing some solid basketball and playing playing off a wall. They 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 vibe together, um, and they both can defend. So, I, to me, I'm not sure that. Just you know, you take Oladipo out and put Harden in. That even if he buys in, I I, I don't know how that those two would fit together. To be honest, I think it, it would be a tough thing for me to think they take a quantum leap. They probably would be better somehow, but I don't know if they would take that huge jump. And they might not be the uh, number one rated defense in the NBA if that were the case. So you're right. They, you're right. They wouldn't. And we're t- and at this point we're talking you know alternate timelines hypothetical scenarios and um, honestly I'm pretty happy with the team we've got in front of us right now it's a, it's a fun exciting team it's it's a it's a team that's easy to cheer for right it's so easy to root for this group of guys because every single person down this roster has something that they're playing for you know whether they're coming back from a major injury whether they've been written off undrafted you know just passed up on whatever it may be it's like a it's almost like an island of misfit, misfit toys to an extent. And they're all fighting for something, and that's easy to cheer for. Um, And I I got a couple more uh, topics I want to hit on really quick here. Just two, I guess, two more kind of questions before we get you out of here, Dave. So the first of which is Jay Sean Tate has been, I think, incredible. I'm just not going to lie. I'm the the unofficial (laughs) official president of the Jay Sean Tate fan club. But (laughs) he is the, like, if you had to finish this sentence, Jay Sean Tate is the most exciting Rockets rookie since blank. Who would you plug in there? Oh, gosh. I'm probably going to miss somebody, but I would say Clint Capella. But I'm... um... I can't remember now. I can't remember off the top of my head if Chandler Parsons was super exciting, like coming in. Like I can't remember exactly how great he was his rookie season off the top of my head. He he absolutely he was absolutely played above his pay grade. We we were stunned by that. You know, I mean, I always tell the story that they had a press conference with Marcus Morris, uh, Donatus Motsiunas, and Chandler Parsons, and nobody asked any questions of Parsons. He was an afterthought, and he was by far and away the the biggest impact rookie that year. The other two guys went to the D league and, and Parsons had a great rookie year. I, I'm, you know, Jason Tate reminds me more of a, a Patrick Beverly type addition, like a guy who's, who's kind of honed his craft and, and become very hungry overseas. And he's just, he's stepping in and, and uh, you know, just scrapping constantly, very PJ Tucker like, and, and it's not a coincidence that him and Tucker are the only guys who have, have played in every single game since Harden was traded. So uh, to me, he's been a godsend, a great acquisition uh, by Rafael Stone. And, um, you know, I, I think when he gets that offensive rebound and he's just very crafty with those his little spins and hooks down low, um, I've just been super impressed with him. I think he's a guy who's a strong defensive player and is opening some eyes from 
from some guys around the league because they're like, who's this rookie that's guarding me? But he's doing a great job doing it. So fun story. Now, yeah, and the, the defensive performances that we've seen out of him, I mean, just recently against, you know, SGA, he had SGA just was not having a fun time playing against Jay Sean Tate at all. The, the, the series where SGA came down, tried to go up for the shot and, you know, got blocked immediately. And then not only was Jay Sean Tate able to then recover the ball, I mean, it just igniting the break, incredible stuff by Jay Sean Tate. But um, I don't know if you happen to know this, but his dad actually played uh, college basketball and his dad's about like 6'9", 6'10", a lot bigger than Tate. And so growing up, he actually learned a lot of interior play because his dad thought he was going to grow bigger than he wound up growing. And so he's got that kind of interior game of a forward or even a center, and but he's got it in a 6'4", you know, package of himself. So that's why his game on the interior seems so polished, so refined, because he spent so much time with his father learning that style of basketball growing up. Interesting. I did not hear that. I did not know that story, but it makes sense now because that's he's he's very good around the basket for his size. I mean, you know, not a Barkley type player, but kind of reminds you of that in in the sense that uh, you know can score in the post um, at his size. So I to me, I like I said, he's been a great acquisition. He's a guy I think you can um, you know in a pinch give the ball to. He he ran point when they were really uh, strapped at, at point guard, and and I think he had nine or ten assists that game. Um, he's been great. So I, I, this has been nothing but a, um, uh, a very strong acquisition by the Rockets this year. I think that it's really impressive that Rafael Stone not only right, you know, s- stealing the offseason with Christian Wood, but also you know another gem in Jay Sean Tate. Two guys, twenty five years old, still plenty of room for both of them to improve. And conceivably, that's two fifths of your starting lineup moving forward. Like you know, po- you know whether it's. Uh, I mean, right now, obviously, Jay Sean Tate's the starter. Yes, there's arguments out there for maybe, you know, giving that spot back to Daniel House at some point uh, as he's kind of, you know, getting back into the the flow of things, uh, you know, from his first the back spasms, then the isolation. But reasonably moving forward with two guys 25 years old at the talent level that they're already at, that's definitely going, you know, those are starting caliber players somewhere down the line as long as they continue down their, uh, I guess, projected uh, uh, improvement paths, I guess. Uh, and really, I, I'm just, again, it, it circles back to being blown away by what Rafael Stone has done. But speaking of guys that have at least a lot of talent, maybe some uh, untapped potential, Kevin Porter Jr., who we talked about before we even hit the record button, he's yeah. kind of an interesting guy. Well, you know, a very low risk, very possibly high reward move by Rafael Stone. What are your immediate thoughts on KPJ? And do you think he might actually be able to pan out as a Houston Rocket? I do. I think um, it's it's very. There's really no risk as far as the acquisition. I mean, that it was a beautiful trade in the sense that basically they just said we'll take his contract, and that's what they did. They basically jumped the waivers process and and um, and took him on. Uh, I think it's a risk as far his as far as his maturity. Um, I, I think a lot of times young guys who are very talented kind of come from environments where they're the guy all the time. And, and, you know, I think you look at the situation that he was in there where, you know, he, I, I would probably be upset too, if I had my locker moved to, you know, out of that area, yeah. but I, but so I can't blame him too much, but I think there's, there's gotta be some maturity and, and professionalism and how he files that complaint. And um, so I think, He's in a great environment with John Lucas. You, you certainly can't find anyone better to help help him along, um, to teach. 
Uh, and if he's willing to go to the D league, as he appears to be, uh, you know, I think it's great. Uh, he has hardened like potential. That's not even really a stretch to say he's great in isolation. He's got a lot of skills. He's just high risk as far as his, um, sort of some of his off the court stuff. And, um, like I said, his maturity level, but uh, talent wise, I mean, he's 20 years old. I mean, this was just a coup basically they really didn't uh didn't have to give up anything there's really no risk in that way um so to me there's nothing but upside here love it love that move and i have absolutely loved this conversation dave i really appreciate you taking the time to uh hang out be here with us today yeah hey anytime i appreciate you inviting me all right well i'll tell you what uh go ahead and even though i i'm sure that like for like the maybe 13 listeners that i have that you know interact with me listen to me and know about my show but for some reason don't know about you and clutch fans however slim that chance may be why don't you go ahead and let everybody know where they can track you down at uh, i appreciate that so on twitter i'm uh the handles clutch fans and uh our website's clutchfans.net um and just we have uh message boards and uh you know constant 24 7 interaction about the rockets and it's um it's, it's fun. We, we have a good time on there. Definitely uh, 100% endorsed by me. Definitely check out Clutch Fans if you have not. It is a wonderful place for Rockets discussion. Again, Dave, really appreciate you taking the time to be here today. Thank you, Jackson. All right. For today's episode, that's going to do it. As always, thank you so much for listening, and we look forward to having you back right here at Locked on Rockets, your daily podcast home for everything Houston Rockets basketball.